2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to another pre-season business edition of On the Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell, And I'm David College. In the chase for Europe's top attackers, how come Barcelona are able to spend like they've got the money to spend? Now, one of their targets is still Robert Lewandowski, but have Bayern got a ready-made replacement already in their ranks? And which Premier League club has done the best European transfer business this week? Andy, David, let's kick off with uh, the conversations on social media about summer transfers. Um, A lot of them centre around Barcelona and they perhaps negate what has been said on on the continent previously. Hear me out, hear me out. This is from Callum on Twitter, who says, what's going on at Barcelona? Dembele re-signing for another two years, and then not being able to sign any fresh players.
0: Are they going to be able to compete in Europe? Big question. Andy? Um, Well, I think there are are two parts to this, really. Uh, The the Dembele transfer is not just, or the the Dembele non-transfer, I should say, is Indicative not just of what's going on at Barcelona, um, but what's going on in the European market. Now, in, in terms of, of, of where they are, um, th- there's a difference between signing and registering. Um, they've been able to sign uh, Frank Kessier. Um, they've been able to sign Andres Christensen, as we've seen in the last week. Rafinha's joining, um, as, as we'll come to in a, a little bit, because I, I think that's a huge story. And um, now Dembélé's sort of... The end of his contract happened, and, and, and then he came back almost um, a fortnight later. Um, we'll, we'll come to the Barcelona part of that in, in a moment. But what I think's interesting about Dembélé is you're seeing a lot of players... At the moment, and they're all over Europe. So we think of the the top names like Dembele, like DiBala, I guess like Andrea Bellotti, at uh, Torino as well. He's a player who was involved when Italy won uh, Euro twenty twenty. Of 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 course, these players who are on free transfers are uh, all decent ages. In the past, I think they would have been snapped up in an instant. I don't think this that they would get to the point where they run out of contract. There's a gap and there's still options. I don't think there's any seam between the two contracts. But Dembélé has, I, I, I guess, fit into Barcelona's model because obviously they're trying to cut money left, right and centre. We've seen that holding up any, any possible transaction for Frankie de Jong. That's one of the reasons that that's holding up his possible move to, to, to Manchester United. This, to me, feels like it's the first big free agent class we, we've got since... The pandemic really and it's had a massive effect on things and i think there's gonna have to be a realigning of the sort of expectations that they have wage wise and there already has been a realigning of the sort of expectations they they have wage wise but in terms of where barcelona are david i mean we've got one from james as well on twitter that says where exactly have barcelona found 50 million pounds for for rafinha i mean it's 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 north of that even by the by, by the way it's, it's a very very expensive deal this to me i mean we can go more deeply into where barcelona are getting them the money from and i know you can tell us about that but the rafinha one to me is strange because i understand joan laporta's idea in his second spell as president that you have to speculate to accumulate get the big stars in bums on seats and sponsorships will follow rafinha is a great player there's no doubt about that i think he'll be important for brazil going into the world cup in 2022 Is he that shirt seller? Is he that player who is is part of that A-plus superstar category that really makes the club bridge those commercial gaps post-Messi? Because I don't think so. I think he's a great player to come into a great team and find a next level. I'm I'm not sure that's what this is.
2: No, neither do I. And I think they're very aware of it as well. And I think they're making sign-ins to make them competitive certainly in the liga they will always be competitive there they're always going to be with a chance with winning the league there i think in the champions league it's a different matter i think there's a lot of teams who are going to be far far ahead of them um in terms of quality in terms of squad depth and such um and they will Hope that in the Champions League that they can maybe just have a run and and that can help their finances as well. But I think in the league they'll they'll be completely fine. They've got a strong enough team and such. But none of these signings are going to elevate them to a next level. I don't think. Um, it is very much just a case of steadying the ship and making sure that they remain quite competitive at, on one particular level.
1: There is an issue, isn't there? That um, we know that Barcelona have got financial problems, but. They don't, all of these signings just seem to ignore the, the financial problems that they should be considering. I, I just wonder where this is going to leave them during this season. Uh, are we looking at a huge financial hole here, David?
2: Um, not this season. Um, what they're doing, they've been very, I'm not going to use the word sensible, but shall we say savvy in that they, accruing, <laughs> <laughs> they are accruing a lot of long term uh, debt. Um, long-term issues with their finances that's what they're doing to to, you know to to make sure that they can operate now and they can work now now there's a word being used a lot in spain palancas at the moment it basically means levers Um, at various stages barcelona are activating different levers to ease their short-term make sure you remember that short-term financial situation um they are selling their tv rights um you know in a you know in a deal that is you know 10 20 years and um, percentages of that there's also um percentage of their licensing and marketing um that they are selling as well and there's others as well that they are considering and um, they could earn them more money down the line they're, they're kind of taking in offers for that at the moment but they're hoping to maybe earn about 300 million uh for that and again, it would continue to ease up the situation. And then, of course, look, the one, one of the bigger, And, you know, even that, because of the amount, the sheer scale of their debt, the sheer scale of the money that they are operating with, um, or sorry, not operating with, um, you know, they're still going to have to move players on. And that is why in the past... I mean, we're recording this on Friday. Um, in the past 24 hours or so, there's been a lot of talk about how they are pushing Frankie de Jong out. And that is because they can't register the players that they have right now. Frank Kessie can't be registered. Andreas Christensen can't be registered. Rafinha can't be registered. He, Frankie de Jong needs to move on. He's on such a huge salary at Barcelona. They need him out the way, and they need the money from the fee that they are going to get from Manchester United for him as well. Um, and, you know, they are doing everything they can, and every they are, they are looking at every single avenue here to try and get out of this situation that they can compete right now.
1: And is it Frankie de Jong that is definitely going to go? Because what I've been reading in the last 24 hours is that, no, he's going to
2: stay, apparently. It's it's an incredible situation because Barca are really, really forcing him out the door. Now, it'd be so interesting to see if the shoe was on the other foot and Barca uh, wanted to keep him, but Frankie was trying to push him out we always see this about player power and players being, you know, mercenaries and what have you. Barca are mm. actively trying to force him out because they have made a series of sign-ins and they can't do anything with them unless he moves on.
0: I, th- I think that's it. Football's been heading in this direction for a, a, a really long time. And, um, you know, I think you can go back to like a decade ago when Inter hit financial problems post, um, treble under Mourinho, which they've been headed for, for a while. And, um, that they ended up trying to a couple of years after he was so close to winning the the, the Ballon d'Or, Wesley Snyder, They tried everything they could to to get rid of him. So you know, let's never think clubs are done by here. You know, um, if if it suits them, they don't want to ditch those contracts in an in an instant. Now, Matteo Alamaní did some incredible work, the sporting director of Barcelona, in um, shifting the chairs around in January to make them have a competitive team. But I just wonder really with this, is it even a rebuild? I I, I guess it's it's something that Barcelona would see as a rebuild. But like David, I don't think it takes them next level on the pitch. I don't think it takes them next level off the pitch, which presumably is why, you know, he's he's the best center forward in the world, but I don't think there's a sporting reason to, to buy Lewandowski. I think they've got other priorities. They're, they're weak at full-back. They need at least one more centre-back. They're, they're good in midfield. I think that's pretty clear. Um, and they've got a fantastic goalkeeper still. But but there's going to be a load of holes in that squad. And I I, I think this is very, very flawed model of of, of recruitment that's going to going to leave them short.
1: Well, just on that point, Andy, of Lewandowski, um, Bayern... Buying- have got, it seems, a replacement for him. Uh, are they keen to get rid of him, though?
0: They've, they've set themselves, or they've set Barcelona a level at which they'll sell now, which is something that they weren't prepared to do at the start of the window. Um, I don't think they were counting on quite this degree of virulence from Lewandowski to to, to go. And, you know, they, they know they can still get a season out of him. But especially after Sadio Mane, they can they can find a different way to play. Um I think we've seen Leipzig before um we've seen um Julian Nagel's man play without a a proper number 9 in inverted commas if, if if you like. Um I think Serge Gnabry and the fact that he's getting closer to signing a new contract. Of course he's one of those ones that was going to be out of contract in and still is. it stands going to be out of contract in in, in 2023. Um We've seen him playing the centre forward role for for Bayern before. Um, a very different type of of centre forward, of course. Who can who can drop out as well. I think, especially with Mane coming in, that might be the way forward for Bayern. I don't see them say if they sell Lewandowski to um, to Barcelona or to Chelsea or Paris Saint Germain or, or, or whoever else. I I don't see them going out and spending an absolute fortune on a centre forward for two reasons. Firstly, I think the answer's within. Secondly, what they're really aiming to do and what they promised Nagelsmann they would do at the back end of last season is strengthen the defence, and which is why they've been edging up towards their transfer record for Matthias De Ligt. Now, the, the negotiations for that are proving a little bit more sticky than that they were imagining. I think they thought they could back Juventus into a corner bind because he's only got two years left on his, his his contract. But De Ligt, it seems, is keen, but not ready to down tools, which is, is is something that's quite important in this because maybe it means Juventus feel they can hang out for a, a bigger feat. I think that's quite a risky strategy because I don't think his value is going to be any more going forward than it is now unless he unless he signs again. So we'll see.
1: And what about Dortmund? Because they've got some deadwood to shift as well, haven't they?
0: Uh, Yeah, they do. Um, They've reportedly told uh, players, including Manuel Akanji, uh, Torgan Hazard, Julian Brandt, that that they won't be counted on for for next season. Now, they got all their recruitment done really early. I think the knock-on's quite interesting because... We've seen David that it's it's not a seller's market. It's it's really really difficult to shift players, highly paid players who you don't really want anymore. If I had to bet on something, Kanji who has interested in Manchester United at points, he's only got a year left on his contract. So that to me leans to either a cheap deal towards the end of the window, or a cheaper deal, or him going on a free next summer. Talking Hazard's an interesting one because I think people know he's got a lot of ability maybe he's not going to be a leading player at an elite club. But I think when when you look at, say, the Newcastle United link, he is a player who I think would be absolutely great for them and affordable.
2: Um, this is why I think, I think maybe the last 48 hours, 24 hours of the transfer window is going to be really interesting mm. because there are going to be clubs, a lot of clubs, um that have big squads. Uh, we are talking about Dortmund here. PSG is another one. There's been talk of them wanting to offload I think it was fifteen players or so that didn't go on their tour. Um so there's gonna be a lot of players I think looking for moves. Um clubs looking to move them on. Um but I think a big problem is a lot of players seem to be just very comfortable not playing, earning really nice wages in you know, in a in a decent place, a, a, a decent area, and then they're they're in no major major rush to uh to move on. They're they're in these nice cities, they're in these nice countries, at these big clubs, mm. earning good wages. They're just kind of like, oh, do I really want to uproot my family right now? And um, no, I just I won't play. I'll wait till my contract runs down. I've got a year left. I've got two years left. I'll let it go. But there could be some, I think, really smart deals to be done there. Like you say, I think you know clubs like Newcastle as well. You know, they they could really um you know get a steal um at the end of the window and i think Akanji's a really really good um you know example of that he's just been continuously linked with premier league clubs so he's certainly somebody i could see ending up but i guess there's like a, there's a bigger look at a bigger picture here at this as well and you know you just look at it and just how clubs hoard players just masses of masses of players that they have on their books and then they're bringing new players in as well and it's quite Remarkable to me that you know when you when you see teams of squad, I, I I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I sometimes forget that certain players are still at certain clubs. Cause this, there's, <laughs> there's so many <laughs> of these uh, players just dotted around Europe at clubs and squads. they've been out on loan for years, or they they've just not been playing for years.
1: Everybody loves a good deal, but it's a different perspective in the Portuguese leagues. I see that Porto have pulled off a huge signing from Braga. Uh, And I do want to touch on the Turkish league as well because, uh, well, somebody that will be familiar to all of our listeners has moved, but we'll come to that in a moment. Yeah, what's going on in Portugal? Biggest transfer within Portuguese or between Portuguese clubs, yeah?
0: Yeah, that's right. So for initial 20 million euros, um, Porto have bought the centre-back, David Carmel, uh, from Braga. I've... I think it's a really bold move and a pretty good one. Um, he's a player who's come back from injury and got into the Portuguese squad. Terrific defender. And I think you look at the way that Porto have gone in the last couple of years, they're moving towards a more Portuguese model where like it was difficult to spot the Portuguese player in their lineup in years gone by. You know, It was mainly South Americans. Um, but they've moved away from that. And having sold... Fabio Vieira and Vitinha to Arsenal and Paris Saint-Germain in double-quick time. There was a lot of pressure on Pinto da Costa, the long-term president, to to do something, I think. And I think Andre Villas-Boas, yes, him again, by coming out and saying that he would run for election, probably as Porto president in 2024, that has been met with a considerable degree of blowback. But this, to me, feels like Pinto da Costa going out there and saying, Okay, well, I, I I still can be ambitious. I can still lead this club. We can still make big signings, etc. I think this has kind of prompted him to sign David Carmo. and and they're interested as well in, um, in in Ricardo Orta, who was who was brilliant at Braga last season. There's a good relationship between Porto and Braga. Benfica have been trying to uh, buy the old, older Orta brother for, for for most of this summer, but it seems there might be a deal there. And especially as Porto, you know, you think Pepe is going to turn 40 next year and um, Chancellor Bemba uh, left at the end of the season. It looks like he's, he's going to sign for Marseille. He's in, he's in Marseille to sign for OM at the, the, the moment. But they needed to strengthen at centre back and to do it with someone they feel is the, the, the future of Portuguese football. It, it sends a message
2: just on the subject of of centre backs i was i noticed that uh, diego Letia was going to is going to union berlin on loan mm. now he was a player i remember watching when he was coming through and he was young i thought wow i thought he really had something about him he had a bit of a the touch of kind of you know the Gerard Pique is about him. I thought, oh, okay, like you know this this tall centre back, very comfortable on the ball. Um, what's happened out of interest with in him because I know Porto rated him really highly at one point. Yeah,
0: they did. I mean, he's he's never totally imposed himself in in, in the first team. He's he's had his moments. Um, I think it was hard for him to get beyond. Uh, Pepe and, and and Bemba for a lot of the season but he's also been leapfrogged by Fabio Cardoso who came back in last season and um, that they really believe in as, as as well so I think the idea is for there to be a gradual handover even though I wouldn't say it between Pepe maybe and, and and Cardoso and maybe Cardoso and Cardoso will be the, the two players for them going forward I do want to, uh, you to
1: tell me what's happened to Mesut Ozil. Uh, leaving Arsenal for Fenerbahce seemed like the dream move for him at the time. At least that's where he came across. But now he's leaving
0: them to uh, go to Share. Why? Well, really, I, I think this is a move that people saw coming for a, a long time. Now, it was, it was clear that he wanted to go and play in Turkey at some point. Um, despite being... Um, born and brought up in in northwest germany um and and played for the german national team he's he's, he's never um been a stranger from his 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 turkish roots and it seemed like if nothing else dot a a sort of deal made in commercial heaven really something that he could really cash in on um after a couple of fallow years um could reignite enthusiasm for for seeing him in a place where he'd be treated like a, a star again but it, it was always a, a weird move for, for Fenerbahce, a club that has run at incredibly high overheads um, without getting in the Champions League regularly. It's been very well funded again over the, 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 the last couple of years under, under new management. But for, for him, I think coming into a league where it's way more physical than you think, it wasn't in the best shape I think it's fair to say. And there was quickly a bit of buyer's remorse there. Now, a lot of people thought he would end up at Bajik here in the first place because um, there were the Erdogan links and it's something he's been heavily criticised for in Germany, his his relationship with President Erdogan, which he's, he's never really hidden and he's, he's sort of paraded to an extent on 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 social media now um friends and associates of odian of of, of batik shahir have helped them become successful in recent years And in terms of on the pitch what they've done is they've done very well with experienced players and they've got a bit more out of experienced players who people thought were on their last legs i think Denver Bar, we saw him flourish against Manchester United in the Champions League, for example. He was he was really important for them in the, the, the year that they, they won the title. So I think if you're Ozil, you get to stay in Turkey, you get to stay in Istanbul even, or the outskirts of Istanbul anyway, and you get to play in a situation where you've still got that profile in terms of the media at large, but... It's not like playing at Fenerbahce where you're playing in front of a packed crowd of fanatical supporters. There's so much pressure on you. You know, they're, they're what, the fourth biggest club in Istanbul? I mean, obviously they've exceeded that in terms of what they've been able to do on the pitch in, in in recent years. But in terms of the size, in terms of the way in which they're followed, in terms of simply fans within the stadiums, he's not going to have that same level of pressure. I do think it's a, a sympathetic background against which he can try and get himself back together on the field if that's what he, he still wants to do.
2: This sounds like a really good move for his uh, his eventual gaming career as well, where his his agent was talking about not too long ago and they said, like, look, he's, he's really, really good um, and it's something he could potentially do, is potentially turn pro. And honestly, I really do. And the way that you've described this move, where that pressure is off, I mean, can you imagine, by the way, he doesn't play very well for a major... Turkish club, he then goes home, he starts streaming. I can just see the fans of, of the major clubs just going at him straight away. Now he can have a bad game, go home, stream, play Fortnite for a few hours, and <laughs> nobody will be like, yeah, What are you doing, man? Everybody's great. Yeah, yeah. This, this works out well for him.
1: <laughs> you shouldn't be able to have more than one great talent in your life, so a little bit cheeky there. So, as you can imagine, both of you, there's been a lot of conversation around on social media around who's coming to the Premier League and who's not coming to the Premier League or who's leaving the Premier League. And we'll come on to one or two of those uh, tweets in a moment or two. But just generally, from what I understand, um, Eric Ten Hag in Manchester United is doing an Arsene Wenger in Arsenal where, you know, you rely on your... Home team players, as it were. So, a lot of French players came to the Premier League during the Arsene Wenger tenure at Arsenal. And it seems like a lot of Dutch players are coming, going up north to the northwest at the moment because of Eric Ten Haag. Uh, the latest, um, obviously, we've talked about Frankie de Jong, but the latest is uh, Lisandro Martinez. What can you tell us about him? I think
2: he's a player what, you know, as a new manager, you really really need and i think it, funnily enough i think in it's, he's in a similar vein to the other players that manning have been either linked with or they've signed with malasia um right now is that they absolutely encourage and push on the style of football that eric Hager wants to play i think that's very very key you've got to get men who can play your style understand your philosophy in the club straight away to kind of you know to put your you know stamp on things um i think lissandro does that um centre-back or left-back, left-sided as well, left-footed. Um, I think these players always come up with premium. They're always seen as a little bit extra special. It's why we're seeing Nathan Ake linked with uh, Chelsea right now, you know, and people saying, why Why Nathan Ake? Again, he's a centre-back who is left-footed, very comfortable on the ball. These, these guys are really, really liked by particular managers who want to play out the back. Um, I think Lissandro um, fits that mould perfectly. Um, I think this is a good move. I know there's a few there's a few concerns about his height, um, and how he could potentially be a little bit bullied in the Premier League. But I don't think it's that type of league anymore. I think he could be very, very, uh, successful at Man United. If, you know, I think he's a very, very interesting player, um, and a very talented player as well. And uh, yeah, I think I think this is a really, really good move from Man United's uh, point of view. It gives them a different sort of profile at the back.
0: I, I like Lisandro Martinez a lot, and like you, David, I, I think that idea of having someone who can interpret the new managers instructions on the pitch is is, is quite important I, I i agree with that on the other hand um one of the things i i, I do wonder is when when ten hogs recruiting not just ajax players but players from the ajax lineage and uh, you know i think christian ericsson uh, fits into to, to that there's been a lot of talk and a lot of uh dutch pundits and people in the game have been saying they expect donny van der beck to to get a new chance which again isn't a bad thing i think i think it's a a good thing that you know existing assets are, are worked by a new coach and they try to get the most out of them but it does kind of pin ten Hag's colors to a certain mast, and if it doesn't work immediately and i wouldn't bet my last dollar on it working immediately for for, for what it's worth it's going to take time i think um does this pile pressure on him because it's easy to play it pin it on the coach and the ajax players in inverted commas that's the concern i i really have for 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 him and does it i guess what does it expose a lack of strategy further up at manchester united when basically they're getting the coach to lead the vision which is quite unusual for a club of this size
2: yeah i think I think Man United's a special case. I think they have to kind of try this. I really, really do. I think they've gone other ways. I think there's also a sign as well that the people at the top in Manchester United, whether it come to recruitment or just general decision making, um, haven't been making the right moves. You know, Mm. and I hate saying this phrase, but it, it it always comes across to me that there aren't too many football men at that club. It's a lot of guys who are Goldman Sachs guys, who are Forbes guys, who, you know, who've got that sort of background. Um I think giving it to Ten Hag is a strategy to say, right, we're getting it back down to pitch level. We're getting it back down to the football. We're getting it back down to the philosophy that we see on the pitch. And, you know, we we're trying to cut out all the noise, every everything else. You know, when you hate, when you talk about money nowadays, a lot said about their market and about their deals that they've signed and their commercial appeal and all this. They need to get back to what they are doing focusing on what is going on on the pitch and i think ten hag absolutely does that he won't care about any of the other rubbish that's floating around but as you say you make a great point look if it doesn't work out or if there are even the first signs of a blip people are going to go has this guy got a plan b has he got another way that isn't the the ajax way the ten hag way can he as a young coach show that he's mature enough and that he's developed enough to have an alternate strategy, an alternate way of playing, um, an alternate way of them using particular types of players that you wouldn't maybe normally associate with him.
1: I tell you what, when you look at the stats, Lissandro Martinez, 120 appearances for Ajax since 2019, that, that is reliability. Um, mm. you know Ten Hag is looking at him and thinking I, I, I can depend on him in many different ways um, he, he's not going to pull a sickie any time do you know what I mean um, <laughs> Tyrell Malaysia was already signed from Fire Nord. you mentioned Christian Eriksen again another you know big game player but also is a guy who's always around on the pitch obviously health um, notwithstanding I can sort of understand his thinking if he's looking at players who are dependable, who he can always rely on, etc. Not, I mean, maybe we're making too much of the Ajax or the Dutch connection, but obviously he knows the players. Uh, there's a familiarity to go with it, but I'm not, I'm not sure he's signing any mugs there. Uh, we'll wait and see. Other people who are of interest to uh, people who are watching who's coming into the Premier League as well, as Khalidou Kulubali, finally making it to the Premier League. After how many years of trying?
0: Many. Well, less him, more people trying to get him there, I would say, because he's been very happy at Napoli over the last eight years since moving from Belgium. um, You know, people noticed him straight away, um, I think because because of his size, because of his leadership. But there's way more to him than that. What I found quite interesting is people saying, well, he's 31 years old. Has it been left too late, alluding to what you were talking about before, uh, Don? But you know, you know what I, I, I don't think that's the case at all. He had a great season last season. Um, he's been consistently great for for Napoli in different situations. In situations where it's been quite tempestuous at the club, he's uh, managed to ride all that out. Um, of course, there's been stuff off the pitch. He's, he's had to deal with racist abuse on on some occasions, and he's always walked out of it with his head held high. Um, and he carries himself with that sort of grace on the pitch as as, as, as well. I think people look at the size of him and think uh, blocks, clearances, headers, etc. Yeah, he can do all that, but he never gives the ball away either. And I think that's really important for continuity at Chelsea because of course they've lost two centre-backs, one centre-back in particular in Tony Rudiger who really needed replacing. I think if you go back over, in the last year and a half, Rudiger has been outstanding. I don't think there's any doubt about that. If you go back over the past five years, Koulibaly's is the better defender. I mean, that's that's not even a question. That's not even arguable. And I think you look at him as well. Um, leading Senegal to the African Cup of Nations, if, if, if you go back uh, earlier this year. I think he's got to this point where he knows Napoli, like a lot of, a lot of clubs in Italy, uh, are trying to make cuts to their budget. Um, they belatedly have backed up the Brinks truck for him, flattered him in public. Uh, Spalletti said the other week, you know, we've, we've got um, an extra large captain's armband because Lorenzo Insigne's one won't fit in. We want him to be our leader going forward. And I think he was tempted by that. But I think especially after winning the, the, the African Cup of Nations with Senegal, he's, he's thinking, look, how, how much longer have I got left? I don't think this is motivated by money. I think he wants to win stuff. And I think he can win stuff with Chelsea because I, I, I would argue he's even an upgrade for their defence.
2: I'm also very surprised that you know there's been so much focus on his age and the timing of this when the guy who he's going to partner in Chelsea defense has come over and been one of the best defenders in the Premier League since he arrived. Yeah, Thiago Silva. Exactly. There was que- there was question there was question marks about him. Oh, he's he, you know he's 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 been in PSG. He's just coming for one more big peer check. You know, a bit of a a swan song. He's been absolutely outstanding. And I'd also say he's really really got Chelsea as well. I know a lot of Chelsea fans and they say this guy. You know, you'd think he'd been at the club a decade. He he feels very much part of the furniture there. And I could see. Koulibaly having the same sort of impact and uh, they could be a really, really fearsome duo because I think for whatever maybe Thiago Silva has lost in terms of a turn of pace, he's going to have a fantastic physical covering centre-back there in, in Koulibaly next to him.
1: What about Lucas Up Listeners to OTC will be familiar with him now because we often talk about him. Where is he destined?
0: I, I think it is Premier League at some point. Um, if you go back maybe... A year, I think there was a, a strong possibility that he ended up at PSG at some point because of his relationship with Leonardo, who originally brought him to, to Europe for Milan when he was sporting director there. Um, but when Leonardo left or got shunted, um, I think it was pretty clear that it, that that wasn't going to happen uh, any anymore. And that took a little bit of the wind out of his market, I think, as, as well. But look, Pacitar's been been brilliant since arriving at Lyon for the most part Um, he's played in a number of positions he's played in a central midfield role um, where he's also played for Brazil he's played number 10 he's played wide on both sides he's even played at centre forward for a bit when they ran out centre forwards even though that wasn't particularly to his taste he did a pretty good job there Um, he's great on the ball he doesn't shy out of challenges, which is quite unusual for a, a creative player as, as, as well. He's, he's got the last pass too. He's got the sort of skill that will absolutely delight fans. The, the, the one question I would have about him is, is is sort of ever-changing moods, to quote Paul Weller. He um, he fell off badly at Milan when, when Leonardo went. And to have that sort of confidence around him of, of people he trusts upstairs is, is super important. I think when his great mate Bruno Guimaraes, who's obviously led to him being linked with Newcastle, he's been playing foot volley in his back garden with him just down the road from me. He um he, he, he didn't play that well in the back end of last season. Um, after Bruno went and after Juninho went, the the sporting director of, of, of Lyon, he didn't feel quite as safe, quite as surrounded. And I think that's led to the Newcastle link. People know he he, he likes people around him that that he gets on with and respects and, and, and feels safe with. So whether Arsenal, for example, could create that environment for him. And, you know, I, I personally don't think he should be a, a priority position for Arsenal when when you think of the other players they've got. And that, that really is what's blocking the Newcastle move. The fact that they 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 need they've got a limited budget and they need other players in other positions and it will cost a lot of money you know there's 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 no getting away from that um peter bosch the the leon coach has said look if he, if he stays i'm more than happy to have him still um the club would be happy to sell for a decent price and he would be happy to to, to, to go i do think it will be the premier league it's just finding the right club in the right moment
1: which which of those two clubs do you think it will be, David? Newcastle or Arsenal? Arsenal are the ones that seem to be more linked with Lucas Pekar at the moment. But from what yeah. Andy says, Newcastle wouldn't mind him if they could afford him.
2: Yeah, I I think it would. I think there's more chance of it being Arsenal, really. Um, I think you could, you could easily see Nicolas Pepe moving on as well. There's a lot that that talk seems to be uh, ramping up uh, recently as well. So you could you could definitely see that happening kind of suits that Arsenal mould of player, I think.
1: As we always remind you, you can get in touch with us at any time during the course of the week at Football ramble at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel and at David Jacker. So Riot on Twitter asked, what happened with Leon's Hussein OR? He was a hot property last summer transfer window, but the hype has completely gone away now. Andy?
0: And that has really been because he just didn't play well enough last season. I, I, I don't think he's even in Leon's best eleven any, anymore. Um, of course, he was heavily linked with Arsenal in the past. Very close to a a, a move to Juventus, which would have come off um, a couple of deadline days ago, had Federico Bernardeschi agreed to go in the other direction to to Leon on loan, which he he, he refused to do. Of course, Bernardeschi's now ended up in, in in MLS beside Lorenzo Insigne, but. Um, Aouar has got so much talent. He's a big game player. Again, can play in a number of positions, but he just needs a fresh start now. Um, I think he's ended up at Lyon longer than he thought he would, longer than the club thought he would. Now only a year left on his contract, so he won't cost as much as he he might have. What's, I think, interesting is Lyon have agreed terms with uh, Real Betis uh, to, to to sell him there now that was the Nabel Fekir move if we go back a couple of years of course Fekir was very close to signing for Liverpool um, it didn't come off uh, for reasons that I think everyone's aware of and uh, he ended up going to to, to Betis instead potentially as a stepping stone to get himself to one of La Liga's bigger clubs but you know he's just signed a new deal there he's had a brilliant time he's well paid um, he gets to playing one of the best leagues in the world and, and, and do his stuff. I think that should be the example for our, I think our should take this deal. I think everyone needs our to, to take this deal. And I think it could work out really well for him.
2: I think it could as well. just Feke is now just an, an idol at Betis. He really is. He, he is so loved. And the bond that he's got with Sergio Canales as well has come across really well. And it's come across in, in Betis's football and, I think Awa would be a great great fit. Um you know for the reasons that Andy's just stated and uh the the fo- Betis play some nice football there I think would suit our. Um and yeah yeah I'd I'd really really like to to see this one.
0: I that that midfield is absolutely indecent with Owara in it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine?
2: I think the idea of uh Guido Awa. And uh, Canales in midfield, and then Fekir coming off the off the wing is yeah yeah it's it's really really exciting um, prospect.
1: I know a prospect that you both want to talk about, but I'm going to throw this one to you, David, for for good reasons. And I'll come onto that in a moment. Maybe is there any? This is from Jamie on Twitter, by the way. Is there any substance to the Asensio to Newcastle rumours, or are we witnessing posturing for a new
2: contract? I think there's a little bit of both sides. I think, you know, Asensio would prefer to stay at Real Madrid, Um, almost going back to what I was saying before at the, the start of the podcast in that players are on nice wages. They're in these nice cities at big clubs, and, and he's a great example of that. I always thought that Asensio could have pushed himself a little bit more over the last few years to be a success at Real Madrid. I also think he could have had, you know, the nous to say, OK, I can't really see myself fitting in here and maybe pushing for a move earlier. He's got a year left on his deal. He's a super super talented player on his day. He gets himself fit. He gets himself um, playing regularly. Then he's a real real force. Um, I think he did really really well in the Premier League, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Because I think if you know Real Madrid is sitting, you know they're saying if there is a super offer, then they'd have to consider it. Um, but again, it goes back to how much money clubs are willing to offer for a player that has one year left on his deal that has had a bit of a, you know, checkered history in terms of his injuries. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with that one. But I, I think Asensio is going to end up staying at Real Madrid um, because they'll just want an extra body. They've lost Gareth Bale. They've lost Isco, um, and they just want to have that extra body in their squad and... I think, you know, they'll see how things are going after that. And, you know, he might even just walk away for free next year as well.
1: And Andy, you are our uh, eyes and ears of the Toon army, as it were. Uh, tell me, how, how much <laughs> would people up there love to see? Well, you are, aren't you? Uh, uh, how much would people love to see Asensio at St James's Park? Of course,
0: of course they'd love to. Y-
2: yeah, yeah. They, he's the exact type of player that they love up there.
0: They they would love to see him. There's 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 absolutely no doubt about it. I don't I don't, I don't think it's happening though. Like like David, I I, th- I think he'll end up benefiting from the, the the slight sort of thinning out in 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 the front end of the Real Madrid team to to contribute at some level this season. And one more for you, Andy.
1: Um, this is from our listener who says: Are Monaco slowly building a stealth attack to be the next Lille with Bellotti and Embolo rumored? to be joining Ben and
0: Co. Yeah, the, the the romance of being uh, funded by a royal family, eh? <laughs> it's what we all love to see. It's what we live to see in, in, in football. I, I think it's, it's interesting um, the, the way they're going because um, clearly the, the methods of uh, Paul Mitchell, the sporting director, and uh, to a lesser extent, Philippe Clement, the coach, who they were both under real pressure at the back end of last season. And then Monaco went on this incredible run to get themselves back into the the top three could have been top two if they hadn't conceded that last minute equalizer at, at lans um right at the end of the the Ligue one season which kind of affects their transfer market a little bit because they have to come through qualifiers to get into the group stage um happening um leon were I- interested in him from Bruce, you mentioned glad back before um before lacazette came back um emblo's an interesting one with so much potential when he was a, a teenager um it's not quite been brilliant for him in germany um he had a major injury while he played for schalke and he's he struggled to come back to his his, his best after that i wonder if he ever really hits top level there there are games when it will look like a world beater but um those games just simply don't happen every week. Um, Belotti, it looks like it looked like it was an either-or situation. They'd either get Mbolo or Belotti. So as we were saying right at the start of the show, there's still loads of freebies out there. And like David, I, I agree. I think it'll be a really busy end of transfer windows with some massive players who are out of contract at the moment and twitchily looking at their mobiles while they're on holiday getting involved.
1: Yeah, and thank you, David, for letting OTC listeners know that that they can stay with us right until those very last few hours of the transfer window, because that's where (laughs) uh, the excitement happens. The freebies, we all love a freebie. And we'll be back with another OTC transfer special next week. See you then. Football Ramble Presents is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel.